0: Good morning, good morning. We've already seen a miracle this morning. A a baptism is is a representation of somebody following Jesus, going from death to life, and that's a miracle. Amen? Amen. Today we will be discussing still nine marks of a healthy church. Today we will discuss a biblical understanding of conversion. And the key statement today is, genuine repentance and belief is key for true biblical conversion. So last week we discussed the importance of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to earth to die for us, and if we believe that uh, genuinely, then we will be saved, okay? So God the Father sent his son Jesus, who is also God. Uh, Jesus then sent the Holy Spirit, who is also God. And I erased this this morning, but now the Holy Spirit's telling me to reveal this. I saw a, this week I saw an illustration of the Trinity. Uh, Somebody was, somebody's. They had a board to draw on. I don't have a board to draw on, but imagine the Trinity. So God is God, the Father. God is Jesus, and God is the Holy Spirit. So we have three different color markers. So God the Father, we have a blue marker, and we draw we draw a circle, and that represents God. God the Son, Jesus, is a red marker, and we and we same circle, different color, same God. The Holy Spirit is a green marker. Same same circle. So that's the three-in-one nature of God. He is three-in-one. That's what we call the Trinity. And I saw that little circle deal this week, and I I thought I wanted to share it with you. And then I erased it this morning, and I thought, I don't need to do that. And now I'm still up here talking about circles. So now you know. you see God as a three-colored circle now for the rest of your life. That's probably not good. Okay, so today we're going to discuss a biblical understanding of conversion. And before I do that, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father... Thank you for the baptism that we got to witness today and be a part of. Thank you for bringing people from death to life because that's why we're here. If we're saved, we come here on Sundays, like Rodney said, to worship you and put all the other stuff that we're busy doing aside. Uh, we, we should be worshiping you all the time, but this, is, this church service is a special time of worship, worship that we come here together to worship and praise you. And um, I just pray that today is fruitful and that... Uh, we we are able to see in this church people come go from death to life and I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So the gospel is the message, the good news and conversion is what happens in our lives when the gospel message transforms us. Conversion is change. And the English definition of conversion is the process of changing or causing something to change from one form to another. And as we talk about this change today or conversion, we're going to focus on five questions. And these five questions are in the bulletin if you want to follow along in the bulletin and make notes. And question number one is this Is change needed? And these questions come from the Nine Marks book that I'm studying. So, question number one Is change needed? So, we are pretty good, aren't we? Aren't we, as people, we're pretty good? We're, we're pretty good. Does anybody agree with that? We're really not that good. There's really no good in us at all. So we don't need to change anything, do we? We definitely don't need to push our beliefs on anyone else, do we? People are generally uh, good, aren't they? Well, the answer to that is no. The Bible is quite clear on this. Change is needed. We are not okay. I am not okay. You are not okay. They are not okay. Change is needed. Conversion is needed. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. So don't, don't freak out back in the sound booth. I only, gave you, I only gave you John chapter 3 and it's at the very end. So you all can rest easy for a minute. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So we can smell the need for change in this verse. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. This means that before conversion, we are spiritually dead. We are rotten, we are black-hearted, and we are no good. Does anybody agree with that? Ephesians chapter 2 goes on to say, You used to live in sin like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very own nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. So we are in desperate need of God's grace and yet God owes His grace to no one. We deserve punishment and God graciously gives us a way out by sending Jesus to earth to save us. So when we begin to understand how broken and sinful we are, we will welcome this change in our lives. So question number one, is change needed? Yes, change is needed. Conversion is needed. Moving on to question number two, is change really possible? Was this change possible in the life of Paul? Well, when we read scripture, we know that yes, that Changes is possible in the life of Paul. The man was persecuting Christians, he was on the road to Damascus, Jesus meets him there and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me, Jesus? I am Jesus, you're persecuting me, what's the deal? And a few verses later, Paul was saved, baptized, and began preaching Christ. So he was one way, he meets Jesus, he's another way. And that reminds me of, if anybody watches The Chosen, Mary Magdalene says, I was once this way, And now I'm this way, and the only thing that happened in between was that Jesus showed up. And that same thing happened to Paul. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he was changed. So, is change really possible? What's the answer to that? Yes. It was possible for Paul. It's possible for you and I. Change is possible. Conversion is possible. Salvation is possible. Question number three. It, what change is needed? If there is a need for a change, what is the change? And this is a one-word answer: repentance. We need to repent. So, in on this, this is our sinful nature over here. All this dirty mess that we desire of this world, uh, chasing after all these things that don't mean anything. That's our sinful nature. That's what we're we're following after. Before God changes us, we are following. All this dirty mess, and God is over here in purity and goodness and joy and love. And repenting is turning from this mess over here and turning towards God who saves us. That is the change that is needed, is we 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 need to turn from living for ourselves and turn towards living for Christ. That is what repentance is: it's turning from sin. Repentance and belief is the key to salvation. And it's really quite elementary. And as adults, for some reason, we we want to make it more complicated than it actually is. And Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child. If Parker was paying attention, I'd pull him up here. "and, And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And said, "Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven." So, what Jesus is saying here is that children are humble. Well, this is this is dangerous. Okay, generally, children are humble and they're not yet arrogant, arrogant, and they're not yet prideful. And those of us have kids or that have kids are thinking, "Yeah, uh, what are you talking about?" But Jesus was saying, in general, children are innocent and um, willing to be taught and willing to learn. And He's telling us, ad- adults, be like these children. Don't overcomplicate everything. This is a simple this change that we're talking about, this repentance. Turn from your sin. You have all these desires of your own sinful heart. Turn from that and live for me." So a young child is destitute of ambition, pride and ego in general. And is therefore a good example for us. Children are characteristically humble and teachable and good listeners and don't get distracted during sermons and don't flip through Bibles while dad's preaching. He smiled. He's listening. So Jesus wants us to have this childlike faith. He wants our pride to deflate to nothing. He wants our self-ambition to deflate. He wants our selfishness to deflate. And I believe this next statement to be true, and if I didn't, I wouldn't be saying it. But I believe if you're sitting here in your chair right now, and you're able to have this thought, and actually believe it to be true, I think you have been saved. If you're able to have this thought, God, I want to live, I do not want to live for me anymore. I am selfish. I am broken. I see that I am not God, which means that you, God, must be God. I believe that you created everything. I believe that you sent your son Jesus here for us. I really believe that. If you're able to have that thought and genuinely believe it, I believe you have been saved. So if you're able to say that, God, I don't I'm a mess. I'm a train wreck. I'm speaking for authentically for myself right now. I'm a mess. Without you, I am just a dirty pile of skin and bones and I need you to radically transform my life because the things that you have are good and the things that I want are awful. But God, open my eyes. Please, I don't know what all this means yet. I don't fully understand all the Bible, but you're telling me that I need to have childlike faith, just like little Will had up there a moment ago. He said, I wanna follow Jesus. Does he have all the answers? Is he a, Is he he? Does he have his doctorate in theology? No. Is he ever gonna have all those things? I don't know. Noonan's, is he? I don't know. We don't know. He's shaking his head no. Okay. Childlike faith. God's calling us to that. So if we believe that we are awful, sinful mess, that's step number one, because we can't turn from our sin until we understand that we are sinful. So when we turn to God, that is when salvation occurs. This is when conversion occurs. So if this is you today, The next thing you need to do when we have invitation time or right now, you can come forward and say, that is me. I am sinful. I am broken. I need God to carry me through this life on this earth and forever. You can come forward. You can stand up in your chair. You can do a backflip down the aisle and roll around like a crazy person. I don't care, but there's water in that baptismal. John Scott loved when we fired that sucker up. Now we've got Mark and Elizabeth firing that thing up. I really expected the rubber duckies to be in there this morning, but they weren't. But if this is you, I'm I'm making jokes here, but this is not a joke. If If you recognize yourself as sinful, in need of Jesus as your Savior, be baptized. Say it out loud to everybody here. Keep coming to this church and let God make you holy over time, okay? Jesus is telling us right here in the book to put our pride aside, follow him if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says it's so easy to understand that even children are able to understand. So why do we adults make it so complicated? I will never know. Repentance, belief, God's sovereign power to save, that is biblical conversion. So today we're talking about biblical conversion. That's what has to happen. Repentance, belief, and God's power to open your eyes to reveal that truth to you. When we are willing to stop worshiping ourselves and start worshiping Jesus, we have been saved. So again, if at any time today you believe that's you, come forward and tell me and we'll baptize you today if you want. We'll baptize you, not tomorrow, we're going to work tomorrow, next Sunday, whenever you want. You can invite all your friends and family. But we're only halfway through this sermon, so if that's you, you just got to white knuckle it for the next 15 minutes. So question number four. Parker, will you please stop flipping that book? Thank you. I wouldn't do that to any other children. Just my, sorry. Disclaimer. Question number four. What will this change involve? What will this change involve? There are a few things salvation is not. Walking down this aisle, though I just told you to do it, will not save you. Being baptized does not save you. Attending your church your whole life does not save you. Sunday school does not save you. A mission trip does not save you. Even saying that you're saved does not save you. What saves you are these things, genuine repentance and turning away from your sin, genuine faith in the belief that God is who He says He is and does what He says He does. Salvation is not a new year's resolution where we can just say, okay, I'm dirty and I want to do better. And I think if I go to church, God's going to change me and he will, and he can, but salvation isn't, isn't just a, I want to clean up my life kind of thing. It's a miracle of God to reveal biblical truth in your life. That's what salvation is. So genuine repentance, genuine faith, and God's sovereign power to open your eyes to that truth. So, when we begin to realize that we are not God, and God is God, we begin to have genuine faith that God is the creator of all things, and He's in control of all things, and He sent Jesus as the payment for the death that we deserve. That's when we have been saved, when we we believe these things. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Did anybody? Did anybody buy the Mark Dever book, the Nine Marks book? Is anybody going through it? Is it good? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's really good. It's really it's easy to read and it makes really good sense. But in his book, he makes a few points. He makes he makes all kinds of points. But in this chapter, he says there are people that are saved. There are people that are saved that may not believe that they are saved because they're so bogged down in their sin. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, there's people that that are saved that don't believe they're saved because they have doubt. Uh, "I'm, I'm I'm too dirty. I'm too broken. I can't possibly be saved. Well, this is a lie from Satan, and this is a lie from ourselves and our sinful flesh. Sin is real. Sin is tricky. Sin is deceiving. Our flesh is deceiving. We can trick ourselves. Sometimes we want to blame Satan for doing things. Many times it's just our own stupidity that leads us down stupid paths, you know. So... I'm here today to say this. When we are saved, we will still sin. I sin still, you know, and I got to turn from that sin. But God will heal us in his own timing. When we are saved, I already read that. When we are saved, we will still sin. But here are two encouraging words for you. Keep fighting. When When you find yourself sinning, don't lose all hope that you're a total disaster. You are a total disaster. That's why you need to cling to Christ every single day. You are a disaster, Zach, as you smile at me, (laughs) calling you a disaster. We are all broken, wretched people, but we're made in the image of God, and He is the one that can make us whole and perfect uh, over time. you know. But don't get bogged down in your own sin and lose hope in Jesus because of your sinfulness. Carry on. Talk to somebody about it. Pray about it. Seek counsel with the Lord about it. Seek counsel with brothers and sisters in Christ about it. So keep fighting your sin. Your sin doesn't knock you out of salvation. If you are truly saved, you're saved once and for all. So don't be deceived by Satan or your flesh. And Deborah has a quote from John Wesley in his book that says this, The truly changed, truly converted, truly Christian heart knows I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. Yet I can truly say I am not what I once was. By the grace of God, I am what I am. So Devers says, and I agree, that people can be saved and not have confidence in their salvation because of the sin in their life. And I'm here today to say, don't let this be you. Don't be tricked by the schemes of Satan or the, the, the dirtiness of your own mind to, to make you believe that you don't have a lasting, eternal relationship with Jesus. Don't be discouraged when you mess up. Keep fighting your sin. Have faith in your salvation and know that in death you will be made whole. On the other hand, Dever explains that people can believe that they are saved based on their works and not truly be saved. And this is a really scary thought. So we can say that we're saved all we want, but if we are saved, there should be evident fruit in our lives. And remember that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the fruit of the Spirit. There's going to be times in our life when our self-control was at an all-time low. We see that in the life of David in Scripture. He loses self-control when he looks out the window, finds a beautiful woman, pursues this woman, train wrecks his life, her life. God uses it for His good still because God has a plan. That doesn't mean we need to pursue sin and look out the window and chase things. We don't need to be chasing but God is good and he was good in the life of David. Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. So did God know that David was gonna mess up? Well, I'm certain that he did, but he loved him through it anyways, okay? So there's gonna be moments in your life where you're not joyful enough, you're not peaceful enough, you're not kind enough. Don't be discouraged when you're going through these seasons. Fight your sin. If If you're in the world and you're not being kind, turn from that, turn towards God and be kind. And joyful, and peaceful, and loving, and self-controlled. So, we're going to slip. We're going to stumble, but we should be on an upward trajectory. It took me some practice. Every time I was practicing this week, and I read trajectory, I messed up, and I thought of Brad saying Junaluska. But <laughs> trajectory. We should be on an upward trajectory of holiness if we are truly saved. And remember, question number four is this: What will this change involve? And my answer is this: Faith. Trust and reliance on God, that is what this change will involve. So once we're willing to submit to Jesus as Lord through our own understanding of our sin and His love for us, we must put our faith and trust in Him and rely on Him for our spiritual growth. So, And and here's another thing. If patience is a fruit of the Spirit, we need to be patient with ourselves through this process. When you sin, don't freak out. Patience. Be patient with God to heal you also. Show patience towards the Lord that He will take this sin away from you. Okay, patience is the fruit of the Spirit. God is changing me over time and anybody else that's saved to look more like Him every single day. Does this mean we're going to be perfect? No, but He's molding us and making us look more like Him every day. So what will this change involve? Again, repentance, faith, and trust in the God who saves turning from our sin and turning towards God. We've got one more. So all you, anybody that's white knuckling, ready to come up here during invitation time, hold on just a minute longer. How does this great change happen? Number five, how does this great change happen? Does it happen through emotional manipulation? No, I'm not going to sit up here every single week and talk about how bad hell's going to be. It's going to be bad. It's going to be hot. It's going to be dark. It's going to be lonely. It's not going to be fun. You're not going to be able to hang out with your friends like they always say. I'll see all my friends in hell. You know, we heard people say that. I'll meet you there or whatever. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be good. It's an awful place. No God, no love, no joy, no peace ever. And this should scare us, but we are not to scare people into a false conversion. So if I come up here and preach about hell all the time, everybody would be scared to death. And we might see or perceive that many people are going to be saved, you know and maybe maybe that would be fruitful but also it's just fear and fear is from satan so we don't i'm not going to sit up here and try to manipulate people into making a decision for Christ in that way but true genuine change comes through the power of god god rips out our heart of stone and gives us his spirit in ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19 he says i will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them, I will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Jesus calls this being born again in chapter 3 of John. In John chapter 3. Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and this is I thought about showing this chosen scene. It's a really good one. Jesus and Nicodemus are sitting down at a table, and Nicodemus is asking Jesus all these questions. And uh, you can tell that Nicodemus wants to turn from his religion and just know, I always look at Steve because I know he's seen these shows. Um, they sit down together and Nicodemus just knows, like, I know that there's something different about you and I want to I want to follow you, but I, I'm so set in my ways of religion that I can't, I just can't. So you get to see that in the show uh, that Nicodemus really wants to follow Jesus, but he's conflicted because of his his law teaching. So John chapter 3, this is the one I gave you. I don't know what version I gave you, but I gave you something. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? can he enter uh, hold on now can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born jesus answered truly truly i say to you unless one is born again of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit do not marvel that i said to you you must be born again the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? Truly, truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of man. of the only Son of God, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That's where the repentance comes in. We are evil. We must go towards the light that is God. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, is what Jesus says. And I remember the first couple times I heard born again, I thought it was kind of like a a cheesy, uh, you know, this is pre-salvation. I thought it was like a cheesy Baptist lingo or something, you know. you got to be born again, is how you always hear it, you know. But it's biblical, it's the words of Jesus. And he says we must be born again. So our final question of the day, number five, how does this great change happen? And I want to rephrase the question to the words of Jesus. <clears throat> How can one be born again? Nicodemus asked if we're supposed to go back into our mother, and then Jesus and in, in the chosen, he, they all they had a little laugh about that. But um, a person is born again when these things happen in their life. A person is born again when they hear the message of the gospel, they understand their own personal sinfulness and brokenness, And God gives them ears to hear the good news of the gospel and genuinely believe that they are sinful and broken and doomed to eternal separation from God forever if they do not believe. So if we believe that we are sinful and in need of a God and believe that He has the power to save us, we have been born again. This is when a person's been born again. When God, through His power and sovereignty, decides to lift the blinders off your face, And see yourself for who you are and see God for who He is. You have been saved. If this is you today, if you've heard the gospel today and you recognize that you're a sinful person and you're a broken person and that you cannot fix yourself, you are powerless to fix yourself. And God is making it clear in this moment that He has the power to rip out your heart of stone and give you His Spirit you have been saved at this point. And this is exciting. This happened to me when I was 26 or 27 through these very steps. I heard the gospel. I knew for sure I was broken and I couldn't fix myself. And I still know that I'm broken and can't fix myself. And that's why I continually show up here to preach. I didn't used to preach, but I, I used to just show up and consume the things of God. And what a great honor to be able to, to stand here and teach the things of God. But if this is you today, and you believe that you've been saved, come forward, follow through with baptism. And if, and, and if you've been saved your whole, you know, nobody's been saved their whole life. If you have been saved for a long time, that is good news also. But I know that you know people that are not saved. So during this time, during this time of altar call, response, invitation, if you're saved, And you know people that aren't come forward and pray pray with me pray to yourself pray in your chair and if you believe that you've been saved today because of hearing the gospel the good news of jesus that you are broken that's not good news but it is good news that jesus came to save us we are broken without him we are dead already condemned he says we are condemned without our belief in him so if you believe that you've been saved come forward we'll baptize you today i'll get these clothes wet I had to walk back and forth to the house three different times to get my shirt. I kept forgetting it. But I'll get this some wet too. Come forward, be baptized, join this church family, and carry on in the faith until the end. And again, if you if you've if you've been saved for a long time, pray for your friends and family that aren't. I know we all know people that have zero relationship with Jesus. So Use this time, each of us in this room have, have opportunities here to pray for folks. So let's use this time uh, that just pray desperately that God would show His power and lift the blinders off of people's faces so that they would believe, I'm sinful, I need help, I'm broken, I can't fix myself, only God can fix me and I got to be patient with that process because it always doesn't go super 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 well. We're on an upward tra- trajectory, Genaluska. We're on an upward trajectory, but our life of faith, it's not it's not straight up. We're not saved and then, oh yeah, we're great. It's it looks like this. But it's always going up. So, use this time to pray for spiritual growth. Use this time to pray that God would reveal himself to your friends and family that are lost. If you've been saved, come forward, get dunked, believe, follow through in Believer's Baptism, or we can do it next week where you can invite all your friends and family. We'll fire that sucker up again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for biblical conversion. You give us, you give us a way to be with you. Uh, you say if we, if we hear the gospel message and we believe it and we believe that we're sinful and we believe that we're broken, we have a choice. We can follow you if we genuinely believe. And this takes the power of God uh, to make this belief genuine. And Lord, I just wanna pray for lost folks that we know. I know plenty of them. I was one of them at one point myself. So I just wanna pray that you would lift the blinders from our friends and family that are lost and don't have a relationship with you. And I just pray that we're patient with ourselves throughout our, our faith in you, that we don't get bogged down when we stumble and fall and sin but that we are encouraged that you have already forgiven us of our sin. So should we go on sinning? No, but don't lose hope in yourself. We should not lose hope in ourselves when we do stumble because you are our Savior today and tomorrow and always if we believe. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.